0: You can have a seat. How are we doing this morning? Everyone doing all right. How are the allergies doing? We, the rain help? Okay. All right. Good. Good. Some of you have been struggling. I know. I don't have allergies as bad, but I know some of you that's rough. So glad we had some rain. Except for those who were at a concert last night, they had to deal with that. But uh, hey. So when I think about eating, um, I think about two different types of eaters. Okay. And, and there's probably more than that. But in this in this respect, there's the divided plate eaters. And I wonder if that might be you. Like, you're the person, you you'll put the different, you know, elements of the meal together, but they better not touch. Anybody? How I many of you type A type people, right? How many of you super weird? I mean, cool. Uh, and not only can't they touch, but you eat one at a time. Anybody? Come on. Anybody? A couple of you, like, I eat that, then I eat that, then I eat that, right? Okay. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me you're like that, Jan, at all, at all. Now, there's divided, and that's fine. You can eat however you want. You you have that freedom in Christ to do that, all right? But then there's crockpot people, all right? Now, I don't mean you like crockpots. I'm not all that fond of crockpot meals, but I consider myself that because I like a good mixed up, like a pasta or a chicken pot pie or a stew or a soup. Who, Who likes that kind of stuff, right? You want... All the way through and through. Just like good Baptists, right? Like a good potluck supper. No. Uh, but, now, I say that because you can eat however you want. Like, like I said, that's, you, you got fine. That's, that's fine. But we, when we talk about the Christian life, there's this thing that I, I, I termed it anyway. Crockpot. Crockpot. Not crackpot. Just so you know, okay? Faithfulness. And that's what makes the Christian life so hard. See, it would be a lot easier, if we're being honest to have our Christian life be kind of over here in church, maybe our Bible study, our Christian friends, right? But over here at work, Jamie, are you kidding me? You know who I work with, right? Or over here at at school or on campus or what? Like, it it gets hard, and yet that is why we're called to suffer through, because the Christian life is a crockpot. It is to be through and through every area of our life. So that means suffering, as we've been talking a lot, because the letter of Second Timothy, it's a big theme, to endure, to press on. So the question, when, when, you, when you get down to it, is this, is it worth it? Is the suffering, the pain, enduring on, worth it? So let's pray. Father, we, we, we pray that you would, um, Lord, I, I, pr- I know, without really knowing who or what the situations are, I know that we're all over the map, both in this room and, those online with us live streaming. Um, Lord, you, there might be someone here, it's like, this is probably the last time I'm ever going to go to church and there might be someone here who, who's just so weary, um, just so done and, and Lord, you know. You know who that person, those people are. I pray that you would bless them through our time together to endure, to press on. Lord, for those of us who are doing great, that you give us the energy to keep going. To keep Fighting the good fight and running the race, we need you through and through. So I pray you just use me as your vessel through your Holy Spirit to shine your grace upon these people today, including me, in my own heart. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, "Amen, amen." So we've been—if you're visiting with us—we've been going through this letter, kind of one verse at a time. Uh, uh, Second Timothy, and it's a sobering letter for sure. Uh, and and we pick up the action. Verse 3, chapter 2. So I'll put it on the screen for you, so no worries there. But if you do have a, a Bible you want to turn on or open up or whatever, uh, always good to do that as, as well. Or use one of our pew Bibles. Um, and, uh, again, if you don't own a Bible or know someone doesn't own a Bible, we'd love for you to take that, um, be our gift to you. So um, you can feel free to do that. But, again, he's. It, it's a sobering letter and a lot about endure and suffering because Timothy's not in a great place. He's in Ephesus, and there's a lot going on in that church. But the biggest reason is because Paul's in chains, literally in prison, and most likely he's not getting out. This is it. This is what, you know his last letter that we have in the scriptures, last words from Paul. And so things tend to get kind of sobering quickly when you are in that situation. So we've been talking a lot so far with with that, and 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 he's, he can talk about the suffering some more. And and you know we have this idea of suffering that, that, that even back in their day right right along till our day there's this what i call trashy theology that that if you're following christ you won't suffer right it's so it's it's now is there suffering that comes from sin of course right there's a so, lot plenty of suffering you might be going through it's not because you're following christ it's because you're doing the exact opposite i'm i'm for that but this idea that 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 if you follow christ you're going to be sprinkled with angel dust and everything is going to be merry and cheery it's just not biblical, right? And and so the question, is it worth it? And the question, like, what he says to, to, to Timothy in verse 3 is to share in suffering. What a thing, right? Suffer. Come and embrace the suffering that comes from following Christ. He says, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Now, he's about to um, give us three metaphors, uh, back-to-back metaphors, and there are two of them Paul likes to use throughout his letters. Uh, soldier, being the first one, obviously, and an athlete. He likes, you know, and that's just because of his context. The Greeks and Romans, they liked their battles and they liked their sports just as much like we do, right? The third one is more of a Jesus one. Um, he didn't use it as much because Jesus was in more agricultural communities when he spoke. So he used the farming analogy. So he's going to use the metaphor of a farmer. But all of it to the picture of the Christian life. So he starts with soldier. He says, share in suffering like what? Like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier, Timothy, gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. So the, the, the one who's in charge, right, to please him. Now I want you to picture a soldier. It's like the night before battle. You're in a makeshift tent. You're You're laying on this cold ground, right, and what are you thinking about? And what he's saying is, man, you should be thinking about the fight ahead and what your orders are and what you need to do because a, an army that's not thinking about that and thinking about something else is going to get slaughtered, right? And so he's saying, you're like a soldier in the Christian life. It's a fight. That's first and foremost. You know what the most dangerous place to be in? A fight when you don't know you're in a fight. Like, I don't care how much you bench press. If you and I are fighting and you don't know it, I'm going to win. But as soon as you know it, now you're a force to be reckoned with, right? And so he says, don't be entangled. Now, that's a word, like, physically, soldiers in those days, like, they would gird up their clothing so it wouldn't be too loose. And they had swords, right? And they'd get up, and, and, like, if they got the sword entangled, what would happen? You're in trouble. Because your enemies, boom, right at you. So you have to be, like, so you don't entangle. But he's saying entangle, not physical here. He's saying entangled emotionally and your focus That's just as bad as if your sword gets entangled. And so he's not saying, by the way, that soldiers didn't have civilian cares. They probably had marriages. They had kids. They had other things. That's fine. But when you're in the fight, that has to be your focus. Right? Because if you get completely entangled with other things, you're in trouble. Why? Because the soldier is looking to follow orders. Imagine if you're in an army. And three soldiers go, nah, I'm not going to listen to you. We're going to go over here. A couple soldiers go over here. You're going to get murdered by the other army. And so in this case, Jesus is the one who enlists you, which is so important. This idea that Jesus is just your friend. I remember about 20 years ago there was this phrase that was being used a lot among especially young adults and teenagers. And they had T-shirts, Jesus is my homeboy. Jesus isn't your homeboy. He is your friend, and he is your savior, but he's your Lord, and he is your king. And that is hard for Americans to accept, because in our DNA, we hate kings, right? We don't hate Jesus, but we hate the idea of, wait a you are going to tell me what to do? Yes, that's the point of the soldier. You better listen to him and him alone. And so you don't want to get entangled with civilian pursuits. It doesn't mean you don't have them, and that they're not important. But they can't entangle you and get you carried away. What are some things that entangle us? Well, one of them, I talk about a lot, is comforts and pleasures. Those are good when God gives you comforts and pleasures. But when you think that is all the chief aim of your life, you're going to get entangled from the real fight, from what your life is really about. One of the big ones I think happens um, for all of us at any age is fear of missing out right? Fear of missing out, especially with social media. Oh my goodness, they just went on their third cruise in six months. What are we doing wrong? Well, maybe nothing, right? Nothing wrong with the cruise. But why is that so important? We're getting entangled. Or you're you're scrolling through Instagram and you see, oh man, they made pepper crusted filet with the the pickled asparagus and the garnish on the plate. We just made hot dogs for the third day in this week. Ugh, we're such failures. Meanwhile, they made hot dogs the day before. They just didn't put that on Instagram. Who cares, right? It's a highlight reel, and we see it, and we go, I need that, I need that better house, car, work, money, vacation, whatever it is, and we're all entangled and we forget about the real fight. One of them that's coming up that makes me want to crawl under a giant rock and stay there. I can't believe we're really close. To another presidential election here. Ugh. I know. You just hear everyone go, ugh. Not because it doesn't matter, and not because you shouldn't vote or shouldn't have views on things, but it makes people crazy, especially believers. For some reason, we think that guy is going to be the answer. He's not. She's not. Jesus is the answer. Now, you have your views, you have your vote. I'm just saying, don't let it entangle you to where you, you, you look at people as the wrong thing, as the enemy. They're not your enemy. <laughs> there is an enemy, and there is a fight. It's not that. This is the opportunity now for you, if that's like something you, you kind of grabs at you, to say, not this time, not this time. Because you know what fighting for in, in Christ means? It doesn't mean, yeah, let's punch that atheist in the throat. It's not the kind of fighting that means following Jesus. It actually means to love your enemy. To actually pray for those who persecute you. To actually say, I want to have that crockpot faith. And I want to exude Christ. Even in those really hard areas where it's so hard. What's entangling us? The biggest thing that entangles us, ultimately... It's putting ourselves first. Somewhere we get this idea that we make these dreams and plans and God's supposed to sprinkle his, his, his beautiful holy dust on it. And when he doesn't, we're angry with him when he never promised you that. He promised you him. He promised you something so much greater and something better. But we get entangled because we think life is about me. Read your scriptures. Life isn't about me. It's about him. It's about him. And so there's this, this fight, but then it's also compared to an athlete. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. So there's a competing, which means anyone who's ever competed in anything, you know, it's hard work, it's training, it's exercise, it's sweat, it's it's going right, like it's soreness, right? You're gonna compete. But for you to win the prize, so that's the crown, they would get. He's, he's referring to Greek games in their culture, right? Kind of the, the, the beginnings of what we know as Olympics, where they would get a, a wreath crown when they won. Um, and Paul uses that analogy a lot in his letters, like the crown of righteousness that, um, that Christians will get. And he says, you're not crowned unless you compete according to the rules. So don't be a cheater. So in their, in their day, um, if you were going to compete in the Greek games, you actually would make an oath, usually to Zeus, okay, um, that that not only were you going to play according to the rules when the, when the when the race or the competition came, but that you would compete and you would train, usually for about a ten month period, singularly and focused, because they believed it was like disrespectful to the gods and to each other if you weren't completely ready to go, and so you promise to be dedicated. Keep training, to be focused, to keep going, and that's the only way you'll ever get the prize. And so he's comparing that to the Christian life. That for you to get the prize, it's going to mean hard work. It's not. I know that doesn't play as well as saying, oh, God loves you, do whatever you want in your life. But that's not biblical. It is hard work. There's suffering. And it means there's times where we do not want to get up. It's also hard work, he's going to give us that third metaphor, of the farmer. Hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. The picture of the farmer is still a picture today of someone who gets up before daylight and puts all they got, right? They, they, they work hard. They got the weather-beaten skin, and, 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 and they look out and they pray and they hope that some natural disaster doesn't, doesn't do like destroy the crop, and a drought or something else, in there. and then they wait, and then the crop comes, and yeah, they get to enjoy it. That's the picture of the Christian, of your, your, your energy and work, towards whatever area of your life to trust and follow Christ. It's hard work, but in the end, is it worth it? Yes. There's a crop, but it's far greater than any crop any farmer's ever seen. And it's coming for those who will continue, for those who will work. But there needs to be an expectation of pain. So uh, Paul says this in verse 7, Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. I love that. That's that's time you read your scriptures. Think about it. And then the Lord enlightens it and shows how it applies to your life. So sometimes I'll preach something and you'll be like, oh, when you said this. And I'm like, I do not remember saying that. I think God said that. Right? But you thought about it and God, right? So that's the same way here. Instead of just being like suffering. I don't want to like breathe. What does it mean for me? What does it mean for me? Because now he's going to flip Sort of around the corner as to is it worth it? Why do we do this? Why do we work hard? Why do we play hard? Why do we fight hard? Why? Why bother? Wouldn't it be easier? Wouldn't it be easier for for Paul? He was a Pharisee. He could have been all the emulation in the world. He could have all the accolades, all the comforts, all the pleasures. Instead, he's in chains in a prison. Is it worth it? Is it worth it? And here's where he tells us it is. He says to Timothy and he says to us, Remember Jesus Christ. He is. Is worth it. If you don't have, if you lose sight of that, you're you're gonna fail. You're gonna turn around. You're gonna sway because you need to know Christ is worth it. It's worth it more than any comfort or any pleasure you might get here temporarily because the crop, the the award is coming because of Him. But it's not just remember Jesus Christ. Remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead. The offspring of David, as I preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. That's why this gospel, I'm suffering for it. Is it worth doing? Yes, because Jesus is risen from the dead. Here's the point. A dead God can't save you from anything. A dead God can't give you anything. But one who's risen, he's alive. You see, he died on that cross, and his blood covers your sin forever. He mediates uh, on our behalf between us and our Father forever. Why? Because he didn't just die. He wasn't just buried. He's alive. And because he's alive, so will you be. Like with what Bob said about, about Tim Keller I'll be with Jesus. Everything awaits you, so it's worth it. Even the chains are worth it. You see the grave, it brings loss and separation and darkness and ceasing and all of the stuff we don't like to think about. But because of Jesus, the grave does not have the final say. He's alive. So are we. He says, I'm in chains, but the word of God is not bound, right? I'm gonna die soon, Timothy, but you're gonna carry it around. Carry it on. Then then Timothy's gonna die. And then others carried it on and carried it on and carried it on. Someone once wrote that uh, God buries his workers, but his work always goes on. And Keller would be a perfect... Someone, a pastor I know, used to call him Tim Keller, the Yoda of Christianity. And he's gone. Are we going to be okay? Yeah. Because someone else is going to carry it on. And that someone else is me and you. Because it's our time. And it's quick. And then as long as before, until Jesus comes back... Then there's going to be someone else. And if you're here and you're a student, you're younger, it's going to be you. And then it's going to be, you're going to give, that's how it works. Because God's word will never be buried. Therefore. Remember, you always want to know what a therefore is Therefore, It's to connect. Because all that's true. Because we work and we're in a fight and we're, we're doing all, because, and because Jesus is risen and Jesus is worth it. Therefore, what? I, Paul says, endure. Remember that word. Endure. I endure everything for the sake of the elect. That's the people that God is drawing to his son who need to hear the gospel. Might be you, right? That they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. That's why I do it. It's that important. That you hear this good news and if I am in put in chains, if I'm ridiculed, if I'm not invited to the cool table, I don't care because it's too important. Eternity is at stake. That's why I endure. That's a word, endure. It means you get knocked down. So you will get knocked down. And then you get back up. There was a a pastor named John Eldridge. He wrote this book called Resilient. Um, And we were reading in a pastor's uh, group I'm in. And he was talking about a time in his life. Great pastor, well known. Um, He was talking about a time in his life when he wanted to give up. He'd been knocked down. He was tired. He just wanted to, he's like, forget it. And he's like, I don't even know why, why I'm thinking this way. So he, he he called up two of his mentors, friends, pastors, that he really looked up to in faith. And he told them how he was feeling. And he he just expected them to be like, whoa, dude, that's that's a lot. And when he told them, they went, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've been there. I've been there. Really? You? Yeah. And then he called up to like, well, you've been there too? Yeah. Well, what did you do? I endured. I kept going. I kept going. Because he's worth it. Means, so that means you're going to suffer. You're going to get knocked down. You're going to feel weary. You're going to feel unempty. empty. It's going to happen. Some of you, that's where you are right now. Maybe you're like, like you, you, you're just like, I'm done after this church service. I'm done. And I'm just saying, no, you're not. You endure. You press on. You keep fighting. You keep going. You don't because there is a fight and you're in it. And so you press on, you get up, you open your Bible and you get on your knees and pray and you lift your hands and worship and then you get knocked down again and then you get back up and you keep going and you will endure by his grace. That's what Paul is saying. And then he closes the thought this way. And in your Bibles, it it will look like a poem in stanzas. I condensed it for our... Just for our help, but this is probably a hymn of some kind that either Paul wrote or they both knew about at the time. But in it, this saying is trustworthy, in it you have four if clauses. So if this is true, then this. And two are positive, and two are absolutely the opposite. He says, for if we have died with him, we will also live with him. That's baptism, well, at least what baptism pictures Right? You're dead to your old self. You're dead to your shame. You're dead to all of that because of Christ. He, was, he died. He was buried, but you would now live, right? If we died with him, we will also live with him. That's why we endure, right? The second is if we endure. There's that word again. If we endure, if we keep getting back up when we don't want to, when we're tired, when we're weary, when we're just like, man, it would be easier to just do what everyone else does. If we endure, we will also reign with him. Oh. That's crazy to think about. That's the Christian's future, is to reign with the glorious Christ. We don't deserve that. We're given that. There is times where I pray for just a taste of that, for me, for you. Because if I, if, if I could like be where I'm going to be reigning with Christ and turn back to where I am now, I'd just be like, oh, oh, Jamie, don't be so stupid. <laughs> Don't be, why are you getting, you know, all entangled with that mess? Look what your future is. And that's what you need to look at. It. Endure because you're going to reign. And then he says, and it it's very sobering. If we deny him, he will also deny us. That's sobering, huh? So We all want to think, oh, everybody's fine, but we're not. If we deny him, he will deny us. This isn't a denial of like Peter, right? Like there's, there's, there's times in your life, like like doubts, or you like, oh man, like there is confession and forgiveness. This is more the denial like Judas, right? And 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 here's here's the picture because this is why it's so sobering: is that every single person, regardless of what we think we did in life and whatever, we are going to. The Bible is very clear: we are going to come up against a holy. Righteous God. And whatever excuse we thought is gone. Whatever filthy rag of good works we thought we had is gone. And all we have before this holy God is we look over and maybe we see Jesus. And we go, Jesus, tell him. I, I, I had a Bible app on my phone once. I'm pretty sure I even used it a couple times. I, I went to youth camp. I pre- Tell him, Jesus. Tell him. And he's going to say, I never knew you, because we denied him, and he denies us. That's why we suffer the chains. We don't want anyone to experience that. I don't. I don't want any of you to experience that. It's the opposite's true, right? For, for those who do endure, what happens to you? As you go uh, in front of a holy God, and you know, and you're like the tax collector in Jesus' parable, you just beating your breast. You're like, I am not worthy. I I have nothing to offer. I have nothing to give you. And then here comes Jesus. He, she is one of mine. If you endure, he will not deny you. He says, in fact, right to the end, right? And this is where it kind of gets weird because you're expecting, it says in verse 13, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. Which is kind of like because God is never, ever, ever, ever faithless. He's always faithful, always, for he cannot deny himself. He will always be true to the character of his godness. He will never go against it. So this is why it's, it's awesome for those who endure. It's, he's never going to be like, I regretted saving you. No, no, I've changed my mind. You're not mine. I, I won't because I didn't really, like, never. He's always going to remain faithful to his promises. But that also means he's faithful to his judgments. He's not going to say, nah, you know what? Forget about it. He will always do true to his character. He will be true to his promises. And so I want to remind you, our faith is crockpot. Crockpot. It's a fight, right? It's a, it's a singularity that, that it, should, it should all, like, not divide or plate. It should just move throughout all the areas of your, your life. And that's, that's hard work. I'm a Christian at school. I'm a Christian on campus. I'm a Christian in my neighborhood. I'm a Christian where nobody else is. A lot easier to go, just kind of stay. But that's the divider plate life. Crockpot says, I believe he's worth it. I'm not just a Christian on Sunday morning or on Tuesday night of my Bible study or when I'm with my Christian friends. I am always a follower of Jesus. Come what may? Because it's a fight. Faith is a fight, and fights hurt, don't they? You ever been in a fight where it didn't hurt? Yeah, man, just this one time. Oh, please. Even, at least your knuckles hurt, all right? Fights hurt. You're in one. You're in one. Like, Remember the most dangerous place to be is a fight when you don't even know you're in the fight. Like you know, right? Like that w- when you go to work all day, maybe right? Like and it's a terrible day, and you're so angry, right? And you come home and you just let loose on your spouse and your kids, and you take all that garbage and blow it out at the people you love the most. You know what's behind that, right? You don't think the enemy is using that? Destroy families, destroy churches. That's you're in a fight, and so you know what fighting means. Before you get out of that car with all that happened that day, you're like. Lord, give me patience. And you go in and you serve your husband, your wife, and you love your kids. And you say that whole time, take that, Satan. Punch you in the throat by serving others, by loving my enemies, by not trying to meme everybody to death online. To, I- I'm going to fight for the cause of the gospel, whatever it takes. Fights hurt. Expect it to. Right. Expect it to. Because we fight for gospel truth. We fight so kids will hear it and know the real meaning of life. We fight so our teens will know there is a purpose. We fight so our senior citizens know their life was not in vain. We fight because the grave is is, is so full of despair, but there is life in Christ. So we fight. But I want you to remember, as you get off the mat and you keep fighting, please, please remember, you don't. Fight alone. You don't fight alone. I know we're Americans, we think we got it, but well, you don't. You don't. You don't. I, I look at these metaphors. Now, I don't know a lot about farming. I'm just assuming that if you have some help, it's better, right? But And, and I know I'm also, I've also never been a soldier, but I've seen enough, you know, army films to know. One person going out there and fighting, not going to work, no matter how powerful you are. You fight with others the games, the athletic imagery, and it's something I do know a little bit about. I, I, I used to, in high school, I did track and field. And God bless you if you like that. I hated track and field. I did. I was pretty good at it, too. I was pretty good at it. The only reason I did it, was this cute girl named Heather who also did it. I got her to marry me, so it worked out in the end. And also because my dad said I had to get a job if I didn't do a spring sport and I didn't want to play baseball. like He really wanted me to, so I did track and field. And I, I did really well, and I hated it because it's individual. And, and I just, I like team sports. I love the idea of being able to be picked up by a teammate or vice versa. There's something about that. So I want you to know, as you fight, you don't, you are not meant to be alone. You ever seen, I've seen this video several times pop up, where there's like this, um, this pretty big lion, right? And the lion's tough, the lion's strong, but surrounded by hyenas, And the hyenas individually are not stronger than this lion. This lion's going to hold its own for a while, but you can tell as the video progresses, and you don't even want to watch the rest. You're like, this is not going to go well. Because every time he turns here, it's there. And he's he's in deep, this lion is in deep, deep trouble until the rest of the pride come. What do you think happened to those hyenas when that happened? (laughs) Goodbye. (laughs) Because they can't stand a chance now. You don't fight alone. You're not meant to. They're not meant to. I don't know what it is. Um, Literally just the last couple weeks. I tend to be a really emotional person. I don't show it a lot because I'm Irish and we're not really, we're kind of, we keep it in. But I love like iconic scenes, great books, stories, lyrics and songs, things that move you. Last couple weeks, like, I feel like I'm like a mess. And I'm like, what is going on? I don't know if it's it's um, the the and I don't mean that in a bad way at all. Like I'm like sobbing out of sadness. It's it's a, like just things like I'm on edge and it's like like things hit me in a way. And I don't know if it's if it's just my life. Like it's that stage. My kids are a little bit older and it's just like things change. And I don't I don't know. I, I was asked this past week to to speak at Whitensville Christian School. They were having a spiritual emphasis week. Have different speakers come in, and um, and, and so I got thinking about it. First of all, they said, you have 12 minutes. <laughs> I can't breathe and do an intro in 12 minutes, but, you know, we'll give it our shot. And I got really emotional thinking about it because I know so many of those kids. My daughter's a junior, and so I, I've, I've seen them play sports. I've seen them in theater production. I've, just, I, I've seen them, so many of them. I've been on field trips with some of them. Like, like you, you just want so badly, and I only had like a minute to do it. I just looked out at them and I said, guys, you have to know what I tell you. It's from the bottom of my heart. I don't, I'm not just some speaker giving you some platitudes. I want you to flourish. I want you so badly to know Jesus. And at least if you know that, you're not alone. We don't say that enough to each other. I know I don't. I think about like... <laughs> You know, I look around at you guys, and some of you have come more recently, and that, that's fine. And some of you've been here for a long time. You've dealt with me, <laughs> just, just crazy blessed to know that I've never had to do this. I, I don't know if it's knowing the sabbatical's coming for a few months, and I've been through one before, and they are restful and great. But they also—I don't know if you knew this, but like part of me preaching every week is me processing my own life. You guys are like my counselors. So I'm not going to have that. God sort of digs deep and and you don't always like what you find when that happens, right? So I don't know if it's that. I don't know. But I just feel so incredibly blessed that I've not had to ever do this alone. You've picked me up so many times. Like crazy. You know, I was at a birthday party for for Marilyn, who's 93, a few people in the room right now are with me, and I just looked around, I've known some of these people for so long, and care about me, prayed for me, like that, I take that for granted sometimes, I don't want to, but we do, and then I went to a gathering with some of our church families, a lot of our young kids, and I rather hang out with young kids sometimes than adults, so I just went out and yeah, they almost killed me a few times. I'm getting too old for that. But I love them. They're like my own. Well, maybe I should consider them my grandkids at this point. I'm getting too old. But. And, and I'm just saying, like, like if, if you're, maybe you got hurt or you got burned or you just been on the sidelines or whatever it is, I'm pleading with you to check back in. To plug in, whether it's a Bible study or ministry group, or just don't try to do this alone. You'll be like that lion. I don't care how much Bible knowledge you have. I don't care if you were once a missionary or a pastor. You will get picked off. You need your people to pick you up, and they need you. The fight hurts. The fight's worth it. But the fight, right, the fight is worth it because we fight on for Christ. Because Christ is worth it. Don't forget that. Whatever you remember from what I said to you, remember this. There is a victory awaiting you that's far greater than any army's ever won. There's a contest and a trophy, a prize awaiting you that's greater than any athlete has ever won. And there is a crop of fruit awaiting you that's greater than any farmer's ever seen because of Christ. There's going to be a day where you hear because you press on, because you keep going you here, well done, good and faithful servant. And you'll get to enjoy all the fruit that God has done in your life. You'll get to see others that God has touched because of you. And I want you to receive that taste of glory now so that you will keep pressing on. Endure. Fight. Keep competing. Keep going in every area of your life because it's for Christ and Christ is worth it. Let's pray. Lord, you are worth it. Lord, my prayer, it's heavy for anyone in the room or anyone watching us online that doesn't know you, Jesus. The enemy wants them to reject, deny. I pray you'd bust through that with your Holy Spirit. You'd give them the faith to right now say, yes, I will confess Jesus is Lord and Savior. I want Jesus because Jesus is worth it. But Lord, I know there's weariness here. I've been there. I ask for Oh, I ask Jesus for you to overwhelm the weary souls here with your amazing grace and mercy and love. Help them with strength that they don't have, but you have for them to get up, to endure, and to press on. Lord, put us in the fight wherever we are, the fight for love, the fight for life, the fight for truth, the fight for prayer, the fight for worship, the fight for what life is really about, you. Put us on the front lines, Lord, and give us the energy and strength to be sustained in it and through it. And so, Lord, may may we hear those words, well done, well done, good and faithful servant. We long to hear them, Lord, when it's our time. So give us the endurance so that we might hear them, that we may never deny you, because we know you haven't denied us. It's in Jesus' name, His holy name, we pray, amen. Let's sing together. If you can, stand.